Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Jamming is hard. You know, it's not, it's like really taxing and, and really demanding and doesn't always go well. But it's the times that it does that are just so rewarding and so satisfying that it's like you're chasing that. You want to chase that every time. When it goes well, it's the most incredible thing whether you're a listener or the person making it. I've had some of the most like transcendent moments in my life being at a show and seeing the band pull it off, whatever band it is. We want to create that moment for other people and for ourselves. When you have that, that success on stage, it's one of the most amazing feelings. Welcome concert goers, music fanatics, and Golden Gate dancers. My name is Lance Ingram, and in this episode of Yesterday's Concert, Eggy drummer and singer Alex Bailey talks jamming, rising artist buzz, and quiche. Grab your earplugs because we're searching for that spacey bliss. All right, I'm here with Alex from Eggy. And how are you doing today, Alex? I'm great. Just on a little break from touring. Get get to spend some time at home. Just hang out for a little bit. You guys just played Halloween. How was that? Oh, it was absolutely wild. Yeah, we had we had the the opportunity to play like the perfect slot, honestly, in in my opinion. Played 12:30 a.m. or 12:15 a.m. to 1:30 on Friday night. And uh I think for a festival, like a, you know, heady festival, like Halloween is, I think that's like the perfect slot. Everyone's kind of, you know, there was the Thursday before, you know, there was the Thursday where people came in, got the lay of the land, kind of got lubricated a little bit. And then Friday night, they're just ready to party and, you know, rage. I watched the set on YouTube this morning, actually, and it was yeah. uh, looked like a lot of fun. Like it looked like a great crowd. Looked like it was so a fun. good back and forth. Looked like I mean, it was that awesome. Festival is insane. It's I've been to one festival that's similar to it, Electric Forest, in terms of just the the production and the the art installations and the detail that's put into every little bit of the forest and and the the layout of the festival and. It, 
just the vibe there is insane. Like that's cool. All, the lineup was incredible, but but honestly, more than that, like the the production of the festival was super impressive and like very immersive. So the, so the shows went well, in your opinion? You thought it went well? Show went went really well. Had a great crowd. Everyone was super rowdy and and you know loving it. And then we got to you know even for a, a late slot like that, we still got to see some music after. Um, after our set, we saw Circles Around the Sun, which is such a such a great show. Did that go to sunrise or is that no until four? Oh, okay, that's still two thirty a... to four, and uh, we were just having such a good time. didn't Didn't feel like that. <laughs> didn't feel like four. Um, you know, we're still buzzing off the adrenaline of our show, and then going into just seeing some incredible music like Circles Around the Sun. It was a blast. Man, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Well, uh, we'll get started with our conversation today. So just to to ease our way in, we'll have a little icebreaker just to have some fun, kind of get to know each other a little bit. Um, so first icebreaker question, start fairly easy. What do you think is the greatest live album of all time? That's not hard at all. <laughs> it's It's actually relatively easy, I think. At, at least the first one that comes to mind and the one that I've historically told people, at least in the last few years, that I think is the best live album, it's got to be Waiting for Columbus by Little Feet. Yes. It's just, it's perfect. It's in stellar. Every way. I think, you know, we we actually did a full um, show of covering Waiting for Columbus uh, a couple yeah. years ago. And I, w- I wasn't super familiar with Little Feet before yeah. that. Um, but diving into that music and like learning every note, it's it is so ingrained in my playing now, That's and awesome. it's just such a part of my like musical uh, identity at yeah. this point. And just every inch of that album is is perfection. In my what opinion. from that album did you did you absorb? What was it that you take with you? So much of. Um, um, why am I blanking on his name, the drummer? Um, this always happens. Like people that are literally like so important <laughs> to me, when put on the spot, I literally just forget their names. Do you remember um, your mother's name? Let's let's get that straight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> Richie Hayward. He um there's so many like isms in his playing that I picked up on, like, you know, not to be too technical, but like these accents that he does on like the hi-hat before a downbeat before like a snare drum hit that's something that's that i find listening back to I, I do all the mixing for yeah for our shows and so i listen back to every note that we play and just listening to my drumming i'll notice that at almost every show little like richie haywardisms but then also just the the their energy as a group i think we kind of absorbed a little bit and their the way they gel together and like the the grooves that they play like we definitely absorbed a good amount of that as a group and Mm -hmm. i think people that are familiar with both our music and with little feats music and that that live album in specific i think would be able to to hear that influence Okay, so moving on, in your opinion, which is the superior jam? Blissful and spacey or wild and funky? 
<laughs> blissful and spacey or wild and funky i think it changes from time to time for me like you know in my history of like listening to fish you know there's times where i really prefer the like i don't want to specify a, an era necessarily but like you know like 95 93 and stuff like they were just relentless with the funk and the absurdness and the what did you say what, what were the options blissful and spacey Blace, blissful and spacey and wild and funky wild, or and, wild funky. and yeah yeah some some of those like 95 jams it's just like completely off the cuff and completely wild and absolutely love that like yeah. but then there's also times there's like eras of my listening where i prefer the like you know harry hood from a live one where it just gets to that like you're literally like floating when you're listening to it like you're just like levitated because of how perfect sounding it is and how like beautiful and blissful it is that don't know if i think you probably knew that i i would say i wouldn't be able to pick one <laughs> when you're putting it in the fish bucket that's an incredibly hard i mean i think some of the best moments i've had at a fish show were during the blissful and spacey moments oh, yeah. but like nothing compares to the wild and fun like being in the pit for a wild and funky jam like oh, yeah. i mean i i was thinking i was at one show and they played you sexy think and i was in the pit and it was like the first song of the night yeah. and it was just the rowdiest most fun i mean the light was still out and it <laughs> right. was the most fun thing in the world yeah. but then like like you said like a good hood it's just i mean it moves your soul like it's hard to choose yeah it takes you to another place but i think some of the like some of the stuff they get into and not just fish like a, a lot of a lot of different bands like when it's completely off the cuff jamming it's not like you know a lot of the blissful you know spacey stuff is like they're just riding a groove all the way up until it's just this like beautiful they're just sending it but a lot of the like wild off the cuff moments like you're literally you're in a trance but a totally different form of trance you're like yeah. your body's like moving with the movements of the music and i so many times at a fish show i find myself literally like rotating just being like what <laughs> where are they bringing me right now and you know I, I hope that we that we're able to provide that experience first for people when they see our show because you know those those kind of moments are are really what like took me to another place at, at fish shows and stuff well you must have had a camera because that's how i was responding to your hula oh. wing set <laughs> this morning while i was while i was working i was just vibing out man that's it was amazing. a great great experience Appreciate so that. so uh okay so next question and you're gonna you're probably gonna piss off somebody <laughs> with this one so okay. we're gonna have fun with it so you get to play favorites what part of the country jams the hardest oh no <laughs> oh no um <laughs> i mean in the last oh man yeah so what comes to mind at first just because it was so recent upstate new york gets down we had a show in syracuse and it was like one of the rowdiest crowds we've had in a long time there's been nights in buffalo that we've played 
that are just absurd. Buffalo goes wild. The last show we did in Albany, we did a full weekend of upstate New York and it was just the most fun. And people were just so into it. We're just grooving like crazy. Is that what you mean by like jam? Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's actually the answer that I expected you to give just because like from listening to bootlegs and audience tapes and things like that, it always seems like specifically Northeast America is where the best of shows and the best of heady jams and stuff is. Which I really didn't. I grew up in Chicago and only really knew about the Chicago scene. Didn't really like, obviously I knew fish came up in the Northeast and like toured the Northeast mainly in their, their early days. And even still like the bulk of the shows that they play are in the Northeast. Um, but I didn't know about like, like I, I moved to the Northeast um, when I went to school in Boston, I went to Berkeley. And even when I was in Boston, like I didn't really know that there was a scene in Connecticut. I didn't know there was, I kind of knew about Burlington, but didn't know about these other little pockets in the Northeast. And, and after moving to Connecticut, well, I guess after I joined Aggie when I was still living in Boston and I was commuting back and forth and started to play shows in New Haven and, and Bridgeport and Fairfield and stuff. And was like looking at the crowd. I'm like, how did I not know about this thriving scene? You know? And then I, I started to learn more about where it came from with like gathering of the vibes, you know, being from here and, and how that kind of cultivated a lot of the, like the jam scene here. And, you know, I going into that upstate, weekend recently like had no expectations for a place like Syracuse you know didn't I knew that there was a school there and but didn't expect it to go so hard like for there to be so many people there and just like going crazy yeah so it's it's been such a blessing to spend so much time in the northeast and getting to know it so well it's definitely a special place especially for music so what you're saying is Eggy hates three fourths exactly. of America is what I'm hearing right now. That's that's the headline exactly. for the story now. Uh, so you heard it no, here. Eggy only plays Northeast now. It's so cool because like <laughs> looking at our you know at our Spotify like where people are listening to us the most. Honestly, most of it is not in the Northeast. Like the the top cities are like Chicago, Denver, uh, New York is is up there, but you know. It, we played in Chicago once it was opening for Spafford, but I don't think we kind of got the full scope of like what an eggy show was like there. And we're doing our first headlining show in Chicago in December. And I'm super excited for that. Cause I have a feeling that they're going to, Chicago is going to surprise us and, and show up and, and be, you know, going crazy. And like I said, I'm from Chicago, so I'm, I'm super, super psyched for that. And then Denver also, like Colorado, is like the mecca of music and our kind of music. So the two times or one one time we've been out there was also insane. Yeah. So no hate to any, any, anyone or in any region. <laughs> All right. I'll retract the headline. I'll retract it. We'll get back. Exactly. Eggy loves America. Okay. So we got two more questions. Uh, so this one, I'm, I already hate myself for asking it, but it's in... A good nature of fun. So since your band name is Eggy, Egg Sandwich, Quiche, or Whoa. Eggs Benedict, which one? 
Mm. Okay, so what I enjoy the most, probably Eggs Benedict. Like, if I'm doing well financially, I'll I'll go for like the the salmon, like the biggest, <laughs> you know, most elaborate Eggs Benedict. But I don't think I could have it every day. No. Yeah. If I if it were uh, about sustainability and what I would eat every day, egg sandwich, bacon, egg and cheese, sausage, egg and cheese. Can't go wrong with that. No. No. Again, no. going back to the sensationalized headlines, Eggy hates quiche. Is that what we're hearing now? <laughs> <laughs> I love a quiche. I don't I don't think I could even have one every week. It it has to be that's like a special It's like a holiday now. thing, like a Christmas. Yeah. yeah I get yeah. that. My, my aunt makes a good quiche. When I go home for Christmas, I'll be eating a nice a big quiche. But yeah, Eggy hates quiche. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Totally. Last question. Uh, this is probably the hardest question you're going to get today. Sly in the Family Stone or James Brown? Ooh. Man, it's kind of embarrassing, but like, I don't think I'm informed enough to even make a decision. Like, I haven't put in the time on either like whoa obviously i've listened to both mm-hmm. but not an extensive amount like i want to lie and tell you that like oh that's hard man like why'd you why why you gotta do that to me but it's really something i gotta dig into i know that i should have spent that time and i know that like it's kind of sacrilegious to even say that I haven't listened to either that much. So I was thinking as funky as y'all are, how do, it seems yeah. like that would be kind of ingrained in which, like your background some. I think I need to to get back to the roots of the funk. You do. I think I need to like, because most of the funk I've listened to is more modern. Mm-hmm. It's more like, you know, I've, I've, I've listened to P-Funk a good amount, but, you know, I spent a lot of time listening to Lettuce and listening to you know, more of the the modern funk stuff than than where it actually came from. Definitely gotta get back to the roots. That's okay. All right. So that that's a N A N A for that question. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll allow it this time. Uh, you did well <laughs> on the other one, so that's a ninety percent. You'll pass. So good job. Uh, so that's actually a good segue, kind of talking about the band's roots. So how did the band come together? What what's the history here? How when did y'all start? Where'd y'all start? All that good stuff. Totally. So um, as I said before, I grew up in Chicago, so I I was not a founding member of Eggy. I believe I want to say Eggy initially started in like 2012, 2013. The other three guys went to high school together, Mike, Donnie and Jake. And they had always, you know, been playing music together. But when Eggy started officially, it was just Donnie and Jake and two other guys. Mike was was in their friend group and always playing music with them, but wasn't an actual member of Eggy until the bassist left. Um, I want to say, I think early 2016, Mike joined. Then they met me through a battle of the bands, actually. That's cool. My my band at the time, when I was at Berkeley, uh, played against Eggy in a battle of the bands for a festival slot. Nice. and that, that was the first time I met them. That was the first time I, I, I'd kind of heard of Eggy, but mainly just from 
you know, we're about to go up against Eggy. And Eggy did win. That's, that was my that question. Game. Who won? Yeah, yeah. They won. And a few months after that, um, their drummer left. And they had a couple of gigs on the books that they needed to, you know, fill the drummer role of. And they remembered me from the Battle of the Bands. And initially, it was just a call to to have me fill in for these couple of dates. Mm -hmm. But after we played the first date, we kind of looked at each other. We were kind of like, how could we not continue to do this? Because it was just working so well musically. And we got along so well, it kind of felt like we all knew each other, that I knew them for much longer than I had. And it was kind of just a no brainer. So I, like I said, while I was finishing the last two years of, of college, I was traveling back and forth between Boston and New Haven, just for rehearsals, for gigs and stuff. And then when I finally graduated, <clears throat> I relocated to Connecticut. and. Now we all live in a house together and live in the dream. That's cool. That's cool, man. So like that's I want to know about you guys and jamming. So did y'all grow up jam band fans or was that just something that's kind of naturally happened for y'all? I speaking personally got into jam bands late in high school. Um like senior year of high school. Earlier in high school kind of got into the EDM scene and super into you know like skrillex and pretty lights and started going to music festivals for that started going to summer camp because that that was like two hours from my house went to like electric forest and a few other went to coachella and all for edm all, all you know spent, spent the whole time there at, at the edm stages you know being at festivals like electric forest and summer camp they're all like it's all meshed in with jam bands with like some rap some it's all super eclectic so inevitably being at summer camp like i caught a set of umphreys mcgee because they play like nine times at summer camp <laughs> um and what i liked so much about the edm scene was like the community aspect of it and everyone was there to have a good time and to meet people and to just have this ecosystem of, of love and music. And I realized that, that after seeing like Umphreys and going to festivals like that, that I could have that sense of community and, you know, make friendships through music and stuff, but also see some incredible musicians and incredible music because before I was into EDM, I, I grew up listening to like Arctic Monkeys and System of a Down and Rush, Foo Fighters, Nirvana and stuff like a lot of my upbringing as a musician and just as a music listener was was rock. Once I got into the EDM scene, liked the community and then came back around to rock and, and saw like Umphreys and Fish, bands like that also have that community i was kind of it was kind of a no-brainer i was like well i'm just gonna hop over to this camp and kind of live here for a while and it's been incredible just seeing what's possible in the kind of umbrella of jam band it's kind of just whatever you whatever 
influences you want to put into it it kind of just is a community of people that like a bunch of different kinds of music honestly don't a lot of my listening now is not so many jam bands but you know it's it's just kind of a no-brainer to still live in that community and it's just such a beautiful genre and circle of of musicians and fans that like i would be stupid to not continue living in that world because it's just so amazing no and, it's, and i agree and that's you know i'm curious this is a really broad question but why does eggy jam like why do y'all choose to do lengthier jams and i ask that question because i hear a lot of like i've heard other bands talk about the kind of the cliche like well, we only jam so we don't kill each other and play the same show every night. <laughs> and so, so I mean, like, what is, is it kind of you went in knowing you wanted to be a jam band or is it just kind of the jams kind of have just flowed out of it and y'all are leaning into it more now? I think Eggie definitely started, you know, I'm, I'm speaking for them because I wasn't a part of it, but definitely started with the intention of being a jam band. You know, they, they also, I think they more than me grew up listening to fish and and you know they were listening to fish when they were in uh, in hiatus it's not not expecting them to ever come back and then they you know were mind blown when in 2009 when they decided to come back and they're like oh my god i actually get to go see my favorite band <laughs> didn't think that was possible so it definitely started as a jam band and Long story short, I think I think it's the reward that you get from jamming is hard. You know, it's not it's like really taxing and and really demanding and doesn't always go well. But it's the times that it does that are just so rewarding and so satisfying that it's like you're chasing that. You want to chase that every time. You want to chase that you know whether it's wild and funky or blissful and spacey you know like when it goes well it's the most incredible thing whether you're a listener or the person making it i've had some of the most like transcendent moments in my life being at a show and seeing the band like pull it off whatever band it is we want to create that moment for other people and for ourselves you know when you have that that success on stage, it's one of the most amazing feelings. I respect the hell out of bands that play the same show every night and you know have the most fun with it. Like that that also sounds like so much fun. Just playing the music, you know the way that it's supposed to go and executing it perfectly every time. Like there, there is an, a totally different art form in that. But I think with the music that we play and just how we were brought up and, and our, our influences and stuff, it's just, I don't ever see us ditching that aspect of what we do just because of how much fun and how rewarding it is. How do you avoid just getting into noodling and just kind of, I mean, you talked about how hard it is. How do you avoid the noodling and keeping it an interesting jam. It's all about intention. It's all about curiosity. There's always going to be the aspect of noodling just 
in the form of um, searching, you know, you're always, you're not going to ever going to know what you're going to do in a true, if you're like truly jamming, there's always going to be the search. There's always going to be the like, let me try out some stuff to see what sticks. Um, But I think it's, it's about openness to other people's ideas and kind of the say yes mentality of improv, you know, never say no to an idea. And if someone has something that's catching your ear, like just go with it and see where it can go. You, you might go with it and realize that wasn't the thing to, to take all the way. Let's keep searching. It's a, it's such a push and pull that like, I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's, it's all about just openness and Mm -hmm. really wanting for it to work out and being open to, to trying things out. I mean, that, that goes beyond like just practicing and playing together. You really have to know your bandmates well to have that kind of level. So how do you keep that kind of open communication of like, you know, if you hear Mike, starting to do a groove and it's like don't don't do that man that's not working how do you how do you tell them that or is it just always let's let them try it out like is it just that y'all are that close through practice and being together and things i think it's it's a lot of time playing music together but it's also a lot of time being with each other living with each other like so much of music and playing music with someone it's it's so personal and it's so so much a part of you not just as a musician but as a human and as a we don't really do that much like listening exercises per se but we do talk a lot about what happened at a show or what happened in practice if we're if we jam and like you said mike on bass is you know he goes he goes to a chord progression too soon or you know is not necessarily linking up with my kick drum or whatever it is it's always a conversation if there's if there's a thought of this could be better it's always brought up and people at times have differing opinions and then we find the middle ground but things are always being talked about pretty much almost every show something is brought up whether it's like yo that thing you did worked really well let's keep doing that remember remember that feeling of how good that felt and let's keep trying to strive for that or if it's like dude you were you were like going too ham in this part like you were kind of getting ahead of yourself like try to find a way just to center yourself in in that situation like it's always a conversation and it's always about being open to criticism and whether it's positive or or negative i think with any band that's trying to do what we're doing or what we're trying to do you need to be open to the conversation and obviously don't sacrifice yourself and your own wants and your own feelings but if you have those wants and feelings, like you have to communicate them because sacrificing your own wants is not, it's not worth it. You want to have fun and you want to be like 
seeing your wants come to life and you just have to be open and and be communicative about it and a lot of jamming is so just kind of free spirited like you were saying like noodling to find something you're searching for something yeah and you're talking about having these conversations and kind of not being critical of one another but you're you're having difficult conversations in yeah. some of those times how do you avoid over analyzing the jams and just letting yourselves be free to jam in search of that that blissful moment totally i mean it's i think there's been times where we've been overly analytical and you know swinging in one direction too far like we have a conversation about wanting to chill out and not not do too much but then we're you know on stage and we're kind of looking around like nobody's doing anything like nobody's saying anything in the music and it's hard to say exactly how to find the balance but it there needs to be a balance of noticing when you're being when you're saying too much or or being too overly analytical yeah because we've definitely we've found ourselves in that time where, where we're like maybe too analytical about one person and then they're like i don't even know what to do now because so many things have been said like and i think we've realized when we're being too much like all of us and mm -hmm. when to tone it back when to push it a little bit more and we really have like we all have a really good relationship with each other in that sense where we're all super open and we're all super like active in wanting to see basically our you know musical dreams come true it's all about a balance in those spaces where nothing's really happening how do you find the balance of saying like well nothing's happening i'm going to push the jam this way versus where somebody else is probably feeling it and thinking the same way is there some kind of communication yeah. that y'all have how do y'all figure that out it's really just it's so much time spent playing together we're like you know we'll we'll still run into things like that where you know two people have the same idea to like throw out an idea at the same time it, it's hard it's hard to say because yeah. there's there's times of different mentalities working and i think it's we've just been playing together for I want to yeah 6 years now and it's kind of, it's become just like a unspoken thing. Yeah, we'll we'll run into hurdles at certain times and we'll talk th through stuff of how to how to tackle an an issue on stage or something but it's really just like knowing your bandmates so well and kind of having this like telepathic uh tunnel that I just kind of know when to back off of an idea to make space for something else. Well, it's, and I was thinking about when you were talking about that, I was thinking about bittersweet motel. I think it's in that movie where it's Trey or Mike, or somebody talks about how some of the best times in the band are spent in the practice room when they're just jamming free yeah. together. There's no expectations. They're just doing it for one another. Is that something that y'all kind of feel in getting to know each other through these jams? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've had, Honestly, there's there's so many practices and and especially in the early days that I wish were recorded. Like the first, oh my god, the the first jam we had that where it was like they were kind of like trying me out. 
was incredible. And I, I, I don't know if, you know, if I were to able to listen back to it, if it would be incredible compared to what we're doing now, or if it was just like the magic of the moment, we'd never played together before and things were just clicking really well. But there's, there's absolutely those types of moments in practice that push the band forward. I think it's, I think it's about equal. I think we have the same dynamic, whether we're in, we're in practice or we're on stage where we're trying to improve and we're having conversations afterwards in practice we're able to do a little bit of the like stop start sort of thing of of being like whether it's a good like a good thing that happened or something we want to try to fix like if something works really well we might stop the song and be like yo that was the shit like i don't i i want to stop so we can acknowledge that that was working really well like let's keep doing that or like i said it might also be something like hey like i don't want to forget about this i don't want to keep jamming for 20 minutes and then like forget about a note that i want to bring up but you know let's let's focus in on this concept because that didn't really work really well so a lot of a lot of time in the practice room is spent trying to like refine those things but if we're able to remember thoughts that we had in the show, you know, of things that worked or didn't work, you know, so many times I'll have thoughts when we're playing um, of like, Oh, I want to, I want to bring this up after the show. And then by the time yeah. we get off stage, it's gone. Um, yeah. But if we happen to remember it, it's definitely something that's like brought up afterwards. Mm-hmm. Is that something when you're, when you go back and, uh when you're working on all the shows and you listen to every note like you were talking about earlier is that something that you often like run to your bandmates and like you got to hear this you got to hear this jam do you remember doing this is that something that happens definitely i think i can do it more but i i definitely try to do that as much as i can um a lot of times (laughs) i'm like i really want to get the show out and i want to just get it mixed so i can get it out to the people and like I might have that thought of being like, oh, I want to show the guys this, whether it's like, oh, let's let's try to work on this or like, wasn't this sick? But honestly, like I, I should be doing that more because we do some cool stuff. You do. <laughs> uh, you should be proud of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but now that I'm I've been singing a lot more and I've been like more tapped into just the vocals of the band, whether it's mine or the harmonies and stuff i've been m- playing the role of of i don't want to say vocal coach but like recognizing things that are working and not working in the vocals and being the one to like bring those up and yep. trying to refine that cuz you know there's everyone there's a stereotype of jam band vocals suck you know yeah. we're we're really trying to like trying to just improve in in any way that we can with the vocals and i think they the rest of the guys kind of look to me for advice on certain things vocally um i just i I feel like my ears is tuned well to like harmony and to tone and um things like that where i can kind of be a a good voice in terms of um improvement and 
advice for all of us, you know, including myself. I'll I'll listen back to me singing lead on a song and be like, that freaking sucked. (laughs) (laughs) But kind of knowing like what I need to improve on and and how to achieve it, putting in the time to do it. Well, that's I want to kind of change gears a little bit now and talk about one very notable gig in the eggy history and you can probably already guess where i'm going with this peach music fest 2021 yeah (laughs) you guys got a ton of buzz from that one set and it is a fantastic set and i just wanted to kind of go back and talk about it like how do you feel about it now i mean it's been more than a year out how do you feel about it now a year later thinking about the feeling going into the set and the feeling like on stage is like pretty crazy it's it's one of the shows I, I oftentimes like black out when I'm playing. Like I just, it's hard to think about like how I felt or even like remember what happened, you know, but I remember a lot of, of that show and a lot of the feeling like, you know, going into it had really low expectations because it was the first set of the weekend first day of of the the whole festival first show of the for, first set of the whole festival it was uh forecast had rain we were kind of like it'd be cool if 200 people showed up you know that would be amazing it was the smallest stage and then we're sound checking things are like we had a lot of technical issues in sound check and more and more people started showing up and like the pressure started setting in like one of the keyboards was just totally crapping out we were like freaking out trying to like test cables and and the pressure was was on and all of our you know heart rates were going through the roof and then i remember like the first you know we figured out the technical issues thank god like right at the last minute and then we started playing and there's just so many people and i remember like kind of being unsettled for the first little bit just being like holy crap holy crap this is crazy like there's so many people here and then like second or third song it just became so much fun just that's cool unbelievable amount of fun and i think you can you can see it watching the video just how much fun we're having and our smiles were just like so giddy and the energy of the crowd was crazy and definitely was, you know, a really good feeling coming out of pandemic. Not really sure what was going to be on the other side in terms of our growth and in terms of how people felt about us. You know, we, we did some streaming and stuff through pandemic that was received really well. People were really into, but didn't really know what that would manifest into coming out of the pandemic. But I think that was a really justifying feeling, you know, being like, okay, something's actually working. Something's going well, because there's all these people that have never seen us before that have been waiting to see us. And they're finally here. They're real. You know, it's it's these these people have just been faces online and names online saying, like, can't wait to see you guys, you know, when you come back to playing shows never knew if that would actually turn into anything you know people say a lot but like are they actually gonna show up and be real and that was 
a really, really great feeling of seeing it come to life. With jam bands, it's such a peculiar thing to me. And it's probably across other genres and I'm being microscopic or something with it. But like, I always think about like buzz in the jam band world. It seems like it's such a different thing than if it's alternative or pop or something like that, because it's always in the lineage of the Grateful Dead or Fish. Yeah. And it's kind of unfair in a lot of ways because it's like, oh, well, they're going to be the next fish or yeah. they're going to, and it's like, you know, in the alternative world, it's like, well, they're just the next big thing. Yeah. And so, I mean, is that something that, that kind of buzz, is that something you've kind of seen from the jam, the band side of things? Or is it just, is that maybe just my perspective? I feel like other genres, it's so much more about numbers. It's so much more of a numbers game how many streams you have, how many tickets did you sell, which is still, you know, it's still a factor in our scene. But I feel like word of mouth is just so powerful in the jam scene. And it's, you know, jam, jam band fans can just be ridiculous at times. I'm one of them. So I, I, I know, but it's just, it's so funny that like, the like torch passing thing is such like a a factor you know it's it's not necessarily a real thing but it's like who are the fans saying are going to be the next big thing like is the general consensus on you know whatever forums or something like this band sucks or this band is is amazing there you got to go see them like people take that seriously whether that's a good or a bad thing it's it's so much more a reality than I feel like in other genres. Pop, it's really just about like, are you being played on the radio? Are you opening for this big artist like to be you know shown to thousands of people? Are you getting pushed by this label? Now it's a little different with like TikTok. Like so many people are getting big through that and that's also totally different than word of mouth that's an algorithm you know it's like are is your content favoring the algorithm or is it are you making content that the tiktok algorithm it wants to push it's just so and i don't think in either camps the like jam scene or the other one i don't think there's really like a a manual to it i don't think there's like a tried and true way to go about it i think in the the jam band world a lot of it is like just being genuine and being interesting musically and like as personalities but it is you know in the grand scheme of things just so different than any other way of of trying to market yourself it's just so much of it is about the the shows I think more now than ever it is about like social media and stuff and what content you put out, but also what content or I guess just what people are saying about you online, but it's fucking weird. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, like really and truly it's only happened once. I mean, it was, and that's just the narrative of the grateful dead going into fish Mm -hmm. when really you had a rise in widespread panic string cheese incident, all that in the late nineties. I mean, Dave Matthews band to some extent. Totally. And I mean, we've seen a string of bands since early two thousands, like Umphreys and, you know, even goose now that are really rising in the scene and making a difference. But I mean, so it's really not 
true in most ways, I guess you could say that, or it's not a fair thing, but do you, do you guys feel that burden of like, Oh, we have to be the next buzz worthy band. Like we have to be the ones to step up and catch the wave now. You know, that's always going to be a thought and going to be a factor of wanting that. But I think we've found in bands like goose or bands that are catching the wave or catching the success it's all about being genuine and it's all about I agree making music and making content that is a, a reflection of you and a reflection of who you are and what kind of music you love and what kind of music you love to make and what kind of content that you love to ingest the the like funny content that we put out we only put it out cuz we think it's funny it's not like oh the people are going to love this you know you're you always there's always the thought of what people are going to think, but more than that, way more than that, it's just about like, do I love this? Do we love this? I think the, you're always, we're always going to want to be successful and want people to enjoy our music and to share our music with their people. But I think it's more destructive than helpful to focus on the success factor and i think it's a lot more i think the tried and true way of doing it is just being genuine well i mean i think too just to kind of relate back to our conversation it's a lot like jamming and that you're just searching for what feels right in the moment you're searching for that creative outlet that just that makes sense in that and it seems like that's what you're pursuing right now and it seems i mean when i listen to you guys especially your live shows that's that's really what i pick up is a lot of fun you know you're creatively expressing yourself and i think i think y'all are doing a great job of that. so yeah i mean when you think about think about fish like what they were doing in the late 80s 90s like there's no reason for them to have thought that like oh we're gonna be huge like we're gonna be selling yes. out madison square garden like they were just yes. super goofy and super ridiculous and weirdos and like loved that aspect of themselves and you know there's no reason a band that has a song called big flat furry creature from mars should yeah. ever reach that level right. of success it's just it's completely abnormal at madison square garden exactly <laughs> it's, it doesn't it's make not sense. about it's it can't it can't ever be about like we want to make a bunch of money and we want mm-hmm. a bunch of fans it's just got to be like we love what we're doing Mm-hmm. and want to keep doing it well i think y'all are doing a great job so last question as we wrap up what's on what's on the the books for 2023 for eggy what's coming up we gotta we gotta get to the parts of the country that we haven't been to yet putting in those you know those plans right now you know haven't really done much of the south we're mm-hmm. we're coming we're coming i hope uh, so man <laughs> We've been working on a lot of new music, both, you know, that we want to debut at shows and music that we are recording and that we're kind of like keeping, you know, to our chest and and waiting for it to manifest into something we can release to everybody. So you're not going to road test the songs? We'll see. (laughs) see. Some some stuff we have plans to and some stuff we're like, oh, let's just let's save it but yeah 
uh, we have some really exciting plans in, in terms of recording and, and, you know, can't say when something is going to be out, but when it is, I think people are going to really enjoy it. And we are really enjoying it, which is the most important going back to yeah. what we were just saying. No, for sure. Um, um, and then obviously when festival season comes next year, we'll be coming to places that we haven't been yet. And, playing some some dream festivals and coming back to a lot of the same ones that we love to play in the last two years. Yeah, just just trying to have as much fun as possible and meet as many people as new people as we can and see a lot of familiar faces on the road, link up with some bands that we've been really enjoying. And yeah, you know, all the things. Well, Alex, I appreciate you talking today. I wish it Eggy, the absolute best moving forward. You guys got a lot of potential, so I wish you the best. So I appreciate it again, man. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Appreciate uh, talking to you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Yesterday's Concert. Thoughts? Similar experiences? Disagree? Let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok. Or you can email us at info at yesterdaysconcert.com. If you're feeling kind, Give us a review on Apple Podcast. Otherwise, until next time, give us a subscribe, check out our website, yesterdaysconcert.com, and most importantly, take care of your shoes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.